Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Warren Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alfreda, Georgia. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you would like to engage with me on social media with my chart of the day and other content, I'm on LinkedIn as myself and at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today's topic is uh, Should I Market with Search Engine Optimization or SEO? And before we dive into that, um, you may hear some pauses throughout this, uh, this this podcast. I came down with a touch of bronchitis yesterday, um, but uh, you know I'm a lunch pal guy. I don't have a lot of talent, but I play hurt to make sure that I stay on the team. So I think that we'll we'll we'll, we'll get through it. So if you notice some gaps, uh, that that's just me trying not to blow your in- eardrums out as I'm I'm hacking something up. But um, on with the show. So uh, I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about SEO because I think SEO has sort of fallen into the background a little bit in terms of the common vernacular. It certainly hasn't gone away but by any stretch of the imagination. But I think I think there's a lot more chatter right now around marketing through LinkedIn and marketing through Facebook and marketing through YouTube. And of course, you know, the podcast we do, um, you know, does have marketing value too. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it doesn't. Um, but you know, before the advent of social media, really everything was about SEO. It's all about where are you going to fall in terms of a and be presented and in a search. Um, and what we're going to, I think, talk about today is that you know there are lots of sneaky search engines around there that, if anything, have made SEO more pervasive rather than less. Um, but it, it may have changed. And to be perfectly, perfectly candid, I have not, I have not looked at SEO in a meaningful way, I think, in 10 years. It just hasn't been on my business radar screen personally, but I'm sure it's on the business radar screens for you guys, at least some of you. And it, 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 I may learn in this podcast that it needs to be on my, my radar screen. So, you know, it's 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 a topic that I think is sort of one of these, these unsung heroes or one of these topics that's sort of in the background. And I want to give it the light of day that uh, that it deserves. And joining us today is uh, Ian Lurie, joining us from uh, California, who is a digital marketer and twenty-five year into- uh, with a twenty-five year intolerance of trendy concepts and nonsense. So a man is uh, uh, near and dear to my heart. Someone said to him no to say, say till someone told him to say no to bullshit. And I can say that because this is the internet. So he's trying really hard not to. Ian uses both sides of his brain as a content creator, search engine optimization nerd, and data addict. Ian founded Portent, a digital marketing agency in 1995, and sold it to ClearLink in 2017. He's now on his own, consulting for brands he loves and speaking at conferences that provide Diet Coke. 
He's also trying to become a professional Dungeons and Dragons player, but it hasn't panned out. Uh, he has a TikTok profile, but his kids are embarrassed by it, so we'll leave that out. Ian, Larry, welcome to the program. Thanks, Mike. Um, if you start coughing, I never shut up, so I can always fill in the gaps. No, no. Well, good. There. You're going to be my human cough yeah. type then. So yeah. that's, that's good. The other thing is, um, never call someone from Washington. Never say that they're from California. Uh, I'm actually based in Seattle, Washington, right now. I beg your uh, pardon. I, I just, you know, I. It's okay. I'm, I just wanted to make clear that you know. No, I'm glad that you reminded me. You know, I I I knew that. And um, you know what? I'm just going to blame it on the pseudofedamusinex that I'm on. Yes, that absolutely. I just sort of blanked absolutely. out on that. So the, the big difference is we don't have a basketball team. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind. That is a shame, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm old school enough that I remember the old back when they were called the Seattle Supersonics because mm-hmm. of Boeing being in town. But I think you're supposed to get a team in the next couple of years, if I'm not mistaken. You guys are going to get the next expansion team. Yeah, yeah. We're supposed to win a World Series, too. But anyway. <laughs> So before we get into this, I don't understand why it hasn't panned out to become a professional Dungeons & Dragons player. Just, just do what Critical Role does. Become a professional voice actor yourself. Get five other or six other professional voice actors. Get your own studio and produce a, produce a video cast of your game every week. And off you go. I, I shouldn't say it hasn't panned out. I should say it hasn't. It doesn't make any money. So <laughs> I could be a professional dungeon and Dungeons and Dragons player. I'm just not going to make any money doing it. Uh, that that's the difference. Fair enough. So Ian, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, you're a good sport. Um, let's. Rem- I'd like to remind everybody what is exactly search engine optimization. So SEO is about improving visibility anywhere anybody searches for anything online. And I'll talk, I I suspect we're going to talk more about this, but, you know, Google is the big one. The main thing is an SEO works to ensure better visibility on any search engine. And and, and you're right. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. So instead what I want to do is I'll, I want to draw the line between SEO and something called search engine marketing. Mm-hmm. Is SEM still a thing? And if it is, what is what is the difference between the two? How are they related? How are they different? Um, so SEM is definitely still a thing. There used to be a big argument about whether SEO is part of SEM or not, but now S, the accepted definition is that SEM is paid search advertising. You're actually, you are paying by the click. It's It's an auction of some kind where you say to Google or Bing or Amazon or whoever, you're going to pay X number of dollars every time someone clicks on your ad. And in exchange for that, you will be positioned in a certain place in those paid ads. There's a lot of bits to it. There is an algorithm that helps. But uh, with search engine optimization, you are not paying Google, nor can you pay Google to improve your rankings. Uh, There's no way to influence those rankings by sending money to, uh, to Google. You can send it to me. Uh, I'll do my best, um, but Google cannot, uh, will not accept money in exchange, nor will Bing, nor will Amazon or anybody else. And, you know, and, and you say that in kind of an interesting way. You say well, they will not accept money. Is it? Is it? I mean, is it a matter of principle because they're trying to keep their search engine optimization engines and the reputation clean, and they just want to create that clear delineation, or they just haven't figured out how to monetize it that way yet? Well, I search, you know, paid search ads, search engine marketing, that is how they monetized it. 
okay. right? Because the, the paid ads show up above and below the organic results, the unpaid results. Um, that is why Google can now buy and sell the entire planet anytime they want is because businesses everywhere pay them by the click to occupy real estate that surrounds the, the, the organic results, what we call the organic results, the results where you can't pay, the results that you influence through SEO. Um, Google won't accept money for those in part because they want to maintain their credibility and Bing is the same. Uh, they want to maintain their credibility as a search engine um, in part because the antitrust lawsuits would ramp up that much faster. Um, and in part because, I mean, I, I think, you know, they want to deliver good results and results that are based on paying by the click can be good. And as I said, Google and Bing have algorithms that try to make sure that you place, you know, ads that will satisfy the user. Um, but it's not quite the same as a completely organic algorithmic search result. And by the way, tell me if I'm nerding out too far, too fast here. Just say interesting or something and I'll stop and I'll <laughs> rewind. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, br- I'll blink three times okay. if All right. that happens. But, right. I, but I, I think this is great because I do think that even if you're not a tech head, if you're going to make an informed decision about this stuff, you need to have at least a, a remedial knowledge of how this works. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, otherwise you don't really know what you're spending money on. You don't know if you're spending it on the right team, on the right technology, yeah. on the right processes, right? And, <laughs> and that's no good. Another way to look at it is um, if you do the right things for SEO, there's a certain amount of a flywheel. Uh, this guy, Andy Crestadina, a colleague of mine who's way smarter than me, talks about how SEO is a sailboat and SEM is a rowboat. So to some extent, you still have to maintain the sails and everything, but to some extent, the wind keeps you going. You don't have to keep pouring money into ads. SEM, you can accelerate whenever you want. You can turn whenever you want, but it requires constant energy to keep it going. So each has an advantage, but that's that's probably the biggest difference. You will always pay for SEO, but you will not pay for every single person who comes to your site. Um, You will not pay more because you're getting more traffic from organic search. That's really interesting. So in, in terms of in the terms that the finance nerd like me might understand, SEO is more about building an asset, whereas yes. SEM is paying for a service. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a very good way to put it. Um, yeah, SEO is I, I always used to call it an annuity, uh, which I probably just mangled it. But, you know, you're putting money in, you're investing in it and you will steadily get a return. Uh, whereas, yeah, SEM is much more you're paying for something that you're going to get right then. And you must continue to pay for it if you want to continue to get it. And of course, I shouldn't say of course, but it seems to me that the notion of ad retargeting on social media, that's really just a a cousin or on the family tree of SEM, correct? It's another form of paid media. I mean, if we go back before the internet, there was earned media, which is the ability to get a cool story written about you in the newspaper or wherever. And then there's paid media where you buy a a TV ad or something like that. You know, paid social advertising is paid media. Getting someone to say something wonderful about you in social media is earned media. Um, and it's the same with search. Organic search, SEO is about earned media. Paid search, SEM is about paid media. So the next question, which is an important question, but I think it's hard even for somebody like you to answer because I suspect the answer is so expansive. Um, but it is what are the elements of SEO? What are the things that, I, I know it used to go into SEO. I don't even know if those things are relevant anymore. 
But you know, as of today, 2021, what are the elements that go into it to, to make it work? So I can give you three elements that never change, and I can give you a few details about each one. So search engines require visibility, relevance, and authority. Uh, visibility is about ensuring that a search engine can find you and crawl your website. So it's just making sure that you know, Google, Bing, whoever can actually get through your content. If you're on YouTube, it's making sure that your content is you know, some, rendered sufficiently well that YouTube can figure out what's there. Um, so that's visibility is just making sure that computers can see, quote unquote, your content. Relevance is making sure that search engines, whatever they are, can understand what you're talking about um, and match you up with whatever the query is. So visibility is making sure you're available. Relevance makes sure that it makes sense. Authority is all about and everyone talks about links and links are part of it. But depending on the search engine, it may also be you know, sales per click. It may be um, you know, shares and likes and plays, whatever. But authority is the measure of how, how important you are compared to other folks in your space. Um, visibility is all about technology. It's making sure that your site, that's where I would have to nerd out pretty deeply, but it's about how your site is built and delivered. Relevance is about content, how you say it, how you structure your site. Um, authority is about how many people see and care about what you do and say. So that those are the three basics. The tactics involved, you know, we could we could spend a week. <laughs> so I'll right. stop. <laughs> okay. Well, and maybe if we have time, we'll come back to that. But but it actually segues nicely into the next question, which is <clears throat> when when we think of SEO, I think now most of us think of Google. Now, I'm of a certain age, and I think you are too, that we remember such names as Webcrawler, Lycos, Alta Vista. Ask Jeeves, right? Google didn't used didn't used to be a thing, right? And yeah. and you know, but I, I think there's a temptation to think that we only now have one, maybe two search engines. If you think Yahoo is still relevant, I'm not sure that it is, but certainly Google's out there. But I, I my impression is that is that search engines have simply migrated into different platforms, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, Google still dominates the planet, but YouTube is the second biggest search engine on the planet. Um, Amazon is probably number three. Bing yep. is number four. And understand Bing has, you know, five to 10% of the market, but that's five to 10% of everything, right? That That's a big five to 10%. I'm surprised so, it's that high. Uh, it's, you know, this is just for me looking at client data. Yep. Um, some, some of my clients get, you know, only 1% or 2% of their traffic from Bing. Some get as much as 15 to 20%, but most of them are in the 5% range. Um, Google obviously is still the biggest generator of traffic and YouTube is owned by Google. Uh, if you sell a product though on Amazon, obviously Amazon is the search engine that you care about. So there's more to it than Google, but yeah, Google dominates the landscape. You know, is, is there a search engine that you're aware of on the Apple side of ecosystems? Apple is building a search engine. Okay. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully it goes better than Apple Maps when it launched. Yeah, um, couldn't go worse. Yeah, couldn't <laughs> go worse. I am skeptical. And again, we can do another podcast about this, but I'm skeptical about Apple's ability to seize a large part of the market. I think that they can grab Apple users to some extent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as much as I love to talk about it, we are a very small slice of the, the population. So, 
Yeah, me too. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Mac user and Apple mostly mm-hmm. through our ecosystem too. But as you mentioned that, I kind of wonder if, um, I kind of wonder if they're kind of too late to the party, like they were with HomePod. You know, HomePod could have been a, a player in the home automation market, but I think mm-hmm. they're a year too late. And I think they're probably five years too late in the search engine area, unless they just come up with something that just blows you away somehow. I mean, it can't, again, this is going to sound terrible, but it can't be Safari versus Chrome, right? It's got to right. be, they've got to do something better than that. So we'll see. I mean, you know, Apple, in my opinion, is great at certain things, and we'll see if they can match up with a company whose sole purpose in the universe is to build a great search engine. Um, that's that's going to be their that's going to be their uh, their biggest obstacle they're going to face. So, as I mentioned at the top of the program, you know, I looked into CEO SEO quite a bit um, a decade ago. I have not paid that much attention to it. You've been in it for you know your whole career, pretty much your whole career in some form or fashion. How has SEO changed since the last time I looked at it, say around 2010 to today in early 2021? So there's really two big changes, one nerdy and one not. The, the non-nerdy one is how much more complicated the search results have become. Hmm. Uh, Google and Bing have a lot more search features in them now. So if you do a search result, you'll see like a box at the top sometimes that has the shortest answer to your question. Uh, Google or Bing may be pushing in some kind of scraped result or tool. So like if you do try to do a speed test right now of your internet connection on Google, instead of just showing you speedtest.net, there'll actually be a box that shows up that lets you use Google to do the speed test. If you ask, how can I, you know, how do I cook pancakes? You'll actually get a recipe at the top of the page. Um, so that's true. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't noticed so, that. That's very yeah. subtle, but you're um, right. And it, it's a subtle way. Again, hopefully not many people from Google listen to this. I'm a fan of a lot of people at Google, but this is a subtle way that Google is attempting to become a publisher instead of a, uh, a search engine and keep you on Google at all times. Um, so basically the real estate dedicated to what used to be called the 10 blue links, the traditional search results has become smaller and smaller. All of those search features like that answer box, those are still part of a search engine and you can optimize for those locations, but the, but search has changed. Now the nerdier side is of course, Google and Bing have both gotten, but Google in particular have gotten much better at understanding language. Google's ability to understand a query, what you really mean when you search for something in the context of other searches you've made and other searches other people make has grown by leaps and bounds. Their ability to figure out the true meaning of words on a page has also grown by leaps and bounds. I agree. They, 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 and in fact, uh, this show is, is, is very much a beneficiary of that because the reason that we, that we, um, we title our shows as questions is because Google now allows, really encourage you just mm-hmm. to simply type out a question. Mm-hmm. And that's been a big hit. And I, I don't want to steal a thunder away from our, our producers, really he who, John Ray, who thought of it, but I think we kind of stumbled upon it. We didn't really know that, but we kind of, we, but, but once we figured it out, we discovered that we were drawing a much larger audience from Google, from search engines just by that tweet. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, you remember Ask Jeeves, right? And their whole big thing was you could just ask it a question. Well, guess what? (laughs) And in fact, I believe it was Google who bought Ask Jeeves, if I'm not mistaken. I think I think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. At that time, Um, they're Ask.com, I think, or something like that. Yeah, that's right. 
But the complexity of results, I think, maybe is the most obvious change for the average person, uh, just how much more stuff there is that shows up on the page. Yeah. And, and, and I guess getting into that, too, because as more, it, you know, used to be that, that the search engines would pretty much just bring you to other web pages. Mm-hmm. Right now they're bringing you podcasts, they're bringing you video clips, they're mm-hmm. bringing you social media fragments, right? So the universe of things to be searched and the format of the results is vastly expanded too. Yeah. I think, I think I'm suddenly, because of this conversation, I'm gaining an admiration for just how deep this technology has gotten in such a short period of time. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a genuine nerd nerdy admiration for it. And as a marketer, I have a grudging admiration for it. <laughs> um, and as a free speech advocate, I, advocate, I have a grudging uh, respect for it. So. Um, so my impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my impression, and one of the reasons I kind of stepped away from SEO, is that it seems like an all or nothing game, that you're either at the top of a search engine result, or you're just nobody, nowhere to be found. Is that true? Was that ever true? And I just didn't get it. And if it's not true, how is there, how can that kind of be nuanced? And, and I, I say that in this context that my impression of SEO is that in many cases, it's a, it's not just a pay to play, it's a pay to win game. And if you don't have a certain budget, why bother? Because if you're in a, if you're a retail store and you're in there with Walmart, right? You're just, you're just not going to be able to match them dollar for dollar. So that's a long preamble to the question of, you know, if, if you can't match your competitors dollar for dollar for SEO, is it still worth doing? So that's a, a two-part question. I, the first one is, is it, is it a zero-sum game? And the answer is, if you look at one term, it's a zero-sum game, but smart SEO doesn't focus on one term. It okay. focuses on an enormous number of terms, some of which you don't even optimize necessarily for most of the, the individual search phrases, right? That's that visibility part and that relevance part is make sure that your site is visible so that Google and Bing can crawl it and find all the stuff and then work on relevance first to make sure that Google, Bing, YouTube, whoever can figure out what you're talking about in this stuff and you will start to rank for things. Everyone can't optimize for everything. Even Walmart can't optimize for everything. So if you do it right and you're persistent, you will probably match up with them at some point because you will start to rank for terms that they simply miss. Um, Go ahead. The other other real quick thing is companies like Walmart are very good at certain kinds of SEO, but what they're terrible at is changing and fixing things. And I have some wonderful clients that are very large and – it's, I shouldn't say they're terrible at it. They are not structurally built to make rapid change. Um, there are many things where they have to be much more deliberate. So if you are a smaller organization, a small business, one advantage you have is that you can make changes and adjust much more quickly. You know, If you want to become more relevant for a particular concept, you could theoretically put together stuff and publish it much more quickly. You could do a set of videos much more quickly because you don't have to go through legal and a marketing team and a branding team. Um, you know, if you have a visibility issue on your site and you need to change the way your site is, you know, change something in WordPress or change something in the way your videos are done, you don't have to go through a whole IT team. At most, you got to go on Upwork and hire a developer to fix it for you. Uh, it's a much quicker process. 
Okay, so that, so that's really interesting, and I think it I think it gives hope to you know, our listeners. Most I don't think any of them are working for Walmart at a high level, um, uh, but you know. So what what it tells me and that leads actually nicely into the next question, which is, you know, how much of this is art and how much of this is science, right? Are there, are there you know? If, if I'll just direct this at you, can you, Ian Lurie, do you distinguish yourself as as somebody who sort of understands SEO on a from a different angle, a different perspective, maybe from other SEO experts. And therefore there's a, there's a potential for creative differentiation that you can find those, those, those search terms that others might be missing or those other tags or other SEO elements that others are missing and therefore create sort of an outsized performance for the client. Um, so I flatter myself by thinking that I work, I have a foot in both left and right brain. Uh, the left and the right brain sides of this. Um, so I do work on the technical stuff quite a bit on visibility, and that's much more science. Uh, and I work on the relevance and authority side, which is much more art. There is science involved with relevance and understanding how machines process language. But ultimately, Google and Bing do not give us a manual regarding their algorithms. So no matter how much science you apply, at some point, you're making highly educated guesses and doing a lot of research and thinking about what your audience is going to best respond to as, as one way to generate a positive outcome in SEO. So it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I'm not going to try and suggest that I'm even among the best at SEO. There are a lot of amazing SEOs out there, um, but that is, you know, that is what a lot of folks bring to SEO. It's why I love it because I come from a creative background, but both my parents are scientists. Being able to put those two things together or liberal arts background and both my parents are scientists. Being able to put those two, two things together is, is a professional paradise for me. So, yeah. So you know, my impression and you're starting to dispel it, but I want to d- drill a little bit deeper because I, I think this is really interesting and relevant we had a guest on a few weeks ago. His name was, uh, his name is uh, Adam Houlihan. And, you know, he's one of the top experts in LinkedIn. And he actually has a bank of people under his employee whose sole job is to, is to understand the nature of LinkedIn algorithms so that he can then help his clients um, uh, monetize their own LinkedIn presences better. Is, is, is are people do people do something like that with search engines as well to try to understand it or glean their algorithms better or somehow reverse engineer it? And if so, is that even a useful thing? Um, I, I don't want to start a, a nerd fight, but you can no more, no matter how, I mean, when I ran my agency, I had teams of people who also did their best to understand the Google algorithm, but you can no more confirm and scientifically prove how the LinkedIn algorithm works than you can the Google algorithm. Um, I just got to put that out there. Um, I, you Let know, me interrupt. I think in fairness, he didn't say that he could prove it. Okay. I think, right. I, I think just simply said that yeah. they were able to run tests that led yeah. data yes. to lead you in a certain direction. Yeah. And, and you can do the same thing with Google to some extent. Um, and it pays to chase the algorithm a little bit. Uh, but there are those three basic rules of visibility, relevance, and authority. And you don't need to understand the algorithm to understand those. Now, the, knowing the algorithm can help you avoid some of the 
kind of tricks that people recommend, um, you know, the tactics that don't really work, but make people think they work. Um, and knowing the algorithm can also help you figure out that there are certain things that are more important on a page than others. Um, you know, a good title tag, um, writing really well, as opposed to repeating the same keyword 52 times on the page, you know, it's, that's, that's where understanding the algorithm can really, really help. Now there was a time when small, when, when entrepreneurs, small businesses could effectively put into place some kind of useful SEO. And maybe I'm talking about 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, has SEO simply grown up so much that it's, it's maybe that's no longer feasible or are there scenarios where somebody could, could plausibly apply some DIY, maybe with a little bit of effort and learning to, to raise their SEO effectiveness of their own web presence? I think that you absolutely can. You know, I work with a lot of really, really small clients. Um, a lot of it's relative, like maybe you're not going to compete with Walmart, but maybe you can triple your organic search traffic. Um, SEO is DIY, right? No matter how big your organization is, you know, eventually you have to look to visibility, relevance, and authority, and someone's going to have to make those changes. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it, again, you've got some advantages as an individual or a really small business, as much as you don't have an IT team. That also means you don't have to worry about IT resource constraints. You know, somewhere along the way, you can find someone to help you work on that site. Um, creating content, yet yeah, you have less time, maybe you don't have a team to do it. On the other hand, it's going to come directly from the person who knows most about it. So you're probably going to create the best content on a particular topic. So you absolutely can DIY it. And in fact, it's easier to compete in the SEO world than in the SEM world. You know, I think that's right. And, I, you know, before I joined uh, Bradyware, I guess about three and a half years ago now, I had my own company, Arpeggio Advisors, and I was pretty active in terms of creating content for that website. And I, you know, I'm in a niche business valuation and so forth. So fortunately, I didn't have that many competitors online. Um, but even with the, the modest amount of content that I created, I might have had like 30 pieces up there or something. Mm-hmm. I think even two years, two, at least two years after I'd stopped using the website entirely, it's still ranked in the top five for business valuation firms yeah. in Atlanta. <laughs> Again, it's an annuity, right? Yeah. You don't have to buy inventory. You're not paying constantly for advertising. Stuff you write now will probably pay off later. Videos you record now will, will pay off later. Uh, so yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense to me. Is there a, let me, let me ask this. Is, I'm going off script a little bit here and I'm also sort of getting, I'm sort of, cornering you into a little bit of free advice uh, while I'm doing a podcast interview, but I think others will benefit too. Is there a kind of a minimum amount of content you have to shoot for before SEOs, before you start getting some leverage behind your SEO? Um, No, I visibility is usually the biggest obstacle I find for clients is visibility, not relevance. Um, Any content is better. Steady growth is very important. Um, and stuff that's truly useful for your audience. So if you sell running shoes, writing 52 articles about the history of the running shoe is probably not as important as two really good articles on selecting and sizing the best running shoe. 
so I would always look to that. Obviously, if you, you know, assuming you could produce great content, more is always better. But none of us have infinite resources. Um, so, so go ahead. Go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, you also have to remember that everything you have on your site is content. Product descriptions, service descriptions, the, you know, descriptions of what you do, case studies, everything is content. So optimize what you got first. So, you know, this this brings up, and you, you touched on it earlier, but I think it's such an important point. I want to underscore it that you know, SEO is a commitment, right? If, if you don't mm-hmm. want to buy, if, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm curious about whenever I have these conversations is who shouldn't do SEO. And it sounds like somebody who shouldn't do SEO, somebody who isn't willing to kind of make the commitment into the flywheel to initiate the flywheel, sort of apply at least a minimum momentum to keep it going. If you really just want, you know, one-off stuff, then just go over to the SEM side. I mean, priority can tell I have opinions. Um, Don't invest in SEO if you don't want to grow your business. And that sounds like really cheesy marketing speak. And I'm not coming at it from that direction. Um, Again, investing in SEO starts with visibility. If you're not willing to make the investment in a website that a search engine can easily crawl and index, then I would say you're probably at a point where you're not really investing in your online business. And I'm not saying that that is a choice and I'm not saying that's wrong. Um, It's all about context. But if you're investing in a quality website and you're spending time on quality content, including product descriptions, uh, then you're already investing in SEO. Uh, So Hmm. you should definitely do it. So we've probably covered this indirectly, but I want to make it explicit. What what are some of those common mistakes you see me being made with SEO? Um, Websites that are invisible in some way, uh, especially, you know, folks who hire developers who say that they know SEO and then build a site that is completely invisible to search engines. Um, Quantity over quality is the most common SEO issue I see. Um, you know, writing, hiring someone for $5 a blog post to write 200 blog posts. Uh, Google has actually specifically put together algorithms that hammer sites like that now. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, So quality over quantity, or sorry, quantity over quality is a mistake. Um, Attempting to manipulate links and gain links in manipulative ways, it's another common mistake. But the biggest one is that initial investment. Um, It's how you build your site. And I, this is unfortunately the hardest part for a business owner to understand and grasp because it requires technical expertise. And it's not fair that a business owner should have to understand that. Um, but there is, you know, the, a little bit of caution when you're building the site. And I'm not talking about a beautiful design, which is great. I'm talking about just basic, functional, you know, useful website infrastructure. Um. So, I mean, does that go into the architecture of the site too? Is is SEO managing, you know, for example, site bounces, which can include just people being frustrated with a poorly functioning site and they throw their hands up and go someplace else? Yeah, I mean, bounce rate is a hard one because sometimes a high bounce rate means people are getting exactly what they want. Like the Portent blog, um, my old agency, had an 88% bounce rate. But that was because people found the article, got what they wanted and left. Um, Okay. But, you know, bounce rate is an important one. Uh, Site performance 
and not from ignoring the SEO side, just paying attention to one of the indications of quality of your site. If it takes, you know, five seconds, 10 seconds for a page to load, that's a problem. Um, does your site work on mobile? Does it offer a really good experience on mobile? Is all the same content visible on mobile? Um, you know, those are all important things as well. I'm glad you mentioned those two things because I, I wanted to get into that just a little bit. So you 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 do think that mobile is important? Um, sort of what I, what I would call mobile desktop parity is is important. It is no longer parity. Google has said that they are shifting to a mobile only index, meaning that if content is not visible on mobile, they will not index it. Or really? not not ac- accessible on mobile, they will not index it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they talked about mobile first for a long time, um, but there was a, a minor a minor nerd riot on Twitter uh, because it became clear that Google is actually moving to mobile only. That is interesting. So, so I mean that that is a that's that's a, a big learning point um, mm-hmm. for our audience is that you know ignore mobile at your peril because it can effectively invalidate all your other SEO. I mean any. Anyone building you a reasonably good website should be building a site that offers a really good mobile experience. Yeah. Um, if it does not, then I'm sorry, there's another opinion of mine, but you should not be paying them to build your website. Do, do the, I mean, do the, the squares and the, uh, the square spaces and the Wixes of the world, are those templates reasonably mobile friendly? I, some of them are very mobile friendly. Uh, you need to test the templates, but you know, the, the, it's, it is all about the template. Uh, and yeah, some of them are great. Okay. Um, so how long, how long does it take to kind of see results from improved SEO, uh, performance? (laughs) Um, Is it right away? Do you have to kind of wait a few weeks, a few months? In the SEO industry, the going joke is the phrase, it depends because almost any question you ask can be answered that way. And it does depend. Uh, if your if your site has a technical problem, a visibility problem, it is possible that when you fix it, you will see results very quickly because Googlebot will suddenly be able and Bingbot will suddenly be able to crawl your content on YouTube. If there's something that was just preventing your content from appearing, obviously you fix it, you see results right away. Um, if you have a different issue, if there's a relevance challenge, something like that, it could take quite a bit longer. Uh, and there's this subtle messy in-between space where you're probably looking at, you know, anywhere from weeks to months uh, to move up. So if you think about the sailboat analogy, it takes some time to get going. Yeah. Okay. Now, in terms of, of web functionality, I think there are websites out there that you can basically put in your your domain and they'll issue a report that talks to you about your web functionality, accessibility, broken links, et cetera. Are those useful? kind of self-help diagnostics or do you really kind of need to bring somebody in who's an expert to test your website for you to figure that out? It depends on the tool. Um, Most of the free diagnostics are not terrific. There are companies out there like Moz and folks like that, that offer, you know, decent diagnostics. Um, But all that stuff has to be taken in context. You know, those tools will give you objective measurement of things that you're doing and they don't necessarily understand your industry, they don't understand your own resource challenges, they don't understand the history behind the building of your site. So I would recommend, and just so you know, you can send me questions and I will not charge just to answer basic questions. I would recommend talking to someone who knows something about this stuff. 
Um, and always keep in mind visibility, relevance, authority. Uh, keep it that simple in your mind. If you're looking at your site and you see an issue that is affecting visibility, if you think it's very difficult to figure out what a page is about, those are problems and you need to think about them. If it's very hard to find a piece of content on your site, that's a problem you need to think about. So there's a lot you can do. Use those tools, but be very careful when you look at their feedback. Also, the stronger the sales pitch after you run the tool, um, the, the more suspicious you should be. And if the tool requires that you register before you get the report, don't use it. Sorry, I, I have a lot of friends who will get mad at me, but <laughs> just don't. Just because I've built those myself and I'm telling you right now, um, I'm only giving you one-tenth of the story. So, Well, the, the, I mean, yeah, the clearly, clearly they're simply lead generation funnels mm-hmm. uh, or something mm-hmm. else. So, um, We're talking with Ian Lurie of Ian Lurie LLC, and the topic is should I market with search engine optimization or SEO? Um, we've touched on this a little bit, but, but I want to I make this clear. And that is, you know, my impression is that at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, if it's my website, I still don't really own that real estate. Google does for all intents and purposes. And therefore, I shouldn't necessarily expect to have 100% control over my SEO outcomes, right? Because it, I mean, it doesn't entirely depend on what I do, is it? Or does it? Is there, a, is there in fact, a perfect algorithm, perfect conversation, perfect combination, perfect uh, best practices, or if I do everything right, then I'm just almost guaranteed success. No, I, you know, patience uh, definitely makes a big difference. You know, consistent application of good tactics makes a difference. But in the end, algorithms change. Uh, Google changes. I'm always telling clients because, you know, I don't just do SEO. I'm always telling them to diversify channels as much as they can. Diversify search engines as much as you can. And understand applying the right the right tactics and strategies will help you uh, and it will get you consistent and consistently improving results. But in the end, it is Google's world (laughs) and we live in it. Um, And to some extent, it's true with Bing as well. There are things you can do uh, to do perform better within those algorithms, uh, but we will never have complete control over it. And again, the boat analogy, I think, seems to apply because... Uh, I can control what I do on the boat, but I can't control the current and I can't control the yep. weather. Yep. If you're, you can take best advantage and you can position yourself to take best advantage of the wind and the currents and the weather, you can't, and even in a rowboat, right? You're still somewhat subject to them, but you can do your best to be ready uh, and to capitalize. So let, let's say that somebody in the um, in our audience, I hope somebody in our audience is now thinking they want to, they want to up their SEO game and they feel like they need help from somebody like you to, to help them do that. How do you, how do you find somebody that that's really good? I guess first, maybe the question is, you know, are there any credentials, any special training or degrees that people normally get to, to demonstrate their command of the SEO world? Um, Is there anything like that? And if so, which are the ones that, um, that, that clients ought to be looking for? I'm a history major. I was a history major, so there's definitely no degrees. Um, I actually think a lot of it is about ability to explain what you're going to do and why it matters. There is no credentialing. There is no good credential out there. 
Um, there is no good certificate out there, partly because it, it evolves so quickly, partly because we don't know the algorithm and partly because I just haven't seen a good credentialing system. And it's been tried in our industry many, many times. Um, but find someone who can explain what they're going to do and why it matters. It, truly explain it. Like it makes sense to you. Not saying you need more links because, um, <laughs> but explain why. Um, you know, I would like you to make this change to WordPress because uh, and make it make sense. Um, if they can't do that, I would be concerned. Um, and then look at whether you're comfortable with that person because this is, you know, you're hiring a consultant or a consulting agency like you hire any other consultant or consulting agency. Uh, you need to be able to work with them and you need to want to work with them. Um, unfortunately, that's the best I can do. Uh, the the two danger signs are if someone tells you that they know someone who used to work at Google or they have some kind of inside track, there is no such thing. Uh, and the other one, I, I, you may want to edit this one out, but if they are making a big deal out of the fact that they have a credential from somewhere, that makes me a little bit nervous because, and maybe they're legit, but it makes me a little nervous because it's impossible to be credentialed for something when there are a couple of hundred algorithm updates every single year. Um, so just, you know, yeah. well, you know, look, it's not, it's, I think, you know, first, first, whenever somebody says you may want to edit this out, that guarantees we're not going to edit it out. I know. Well, that's why I didn't that's say just, it before. It's too I, juicy. Yeah. It's too <laughs> juicy. But I mean, look, it's, it's, it's not unfair. And in, in my industry, you know, in my industry, we do have professional credentials. Mm-hmm. And while I do think they have some meaning, I tell people that if there are people who have a bunch of letters after their name that I would not trust to to do evaluation of a lemonade yeah. stand. Yeah. And there are people who are completely uncredentialed that are very competent business appraisers that can do a great job for you. Yeah. Um, and and credentials are fine, but but at the end of the day, all a credential really tells really says is that. I passed a series of exams and I paid to take those courses. Mm-hmm. I'm current on the annual fee and I haven't done something so egregious as a professional that they've taken <laughs> it away from me. They threw me out. They yeah. threw, that's it. Yeah. It's um, a big difference with SEO and a lot of marketing is there has never been an accepted curriculum that will make you good at SEO or really good at marketing. And that makes it even more difficult. You know, th- there are, and by the way, I have a law degree too. I never practiced. Um, but, you know, there's a certain set of things you must learn to be minimally qualified to be an attorney. Yep. And those things, to some extent, can be quantified because you took the bar and you passed it. With SEO, it is far more difficult. Um, even as a technical SEO, it's difficult. You can look at what I know about websites and computers and how websites work. Um, and assuming you can actually understand any of what I talk about, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that you don't understand it because you're dumb. I'm saying you don't understand it because you actually have a life. Um, uh, you know, assuming that even assuming you could understand it all, that doesn't mean that I'm establishing my qualifications as a consultant. Um, so it is very similar in a lot of ways. And in some ways it's even more difficult because um, there is no primary credentialing body for SEO and there, there may not be for decades. You know, I, I want to go back and underscore the, uh, the, I know a guy at Google kind of thing. You know, the, the reason I would imagine the reason that cannot possibly be true is because Google will fire and then sue anybody that is disseminating information about their algorithm because that's a trade secret. 
And that person will be blackballed from their job, from that industry, and they'll be paying Google for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's that. There's also, I'm pretty sure Google plants some kind of explosive in people's brains when they leave, but um, <laughs> now it's people at Google don't become SEOs. People who truly understand the ins and outs of the algorithm don't become SEOs. Um, try to prove me wrong. I dare you. Uh, you will not. Yeah. We all, you know, I can hire someone who worked at Google, um, but they haven't, they're not search engineers. Um, you know, because they're the ones who sign the non-competes and the non-disclosures and the non-everything else. Uh, so it's, it's very unlikely I'm going to find someone from Google who's going to truly give me an advantage uh, as an SEO. Well, even if you did, um, how long before their knowledge becomes obsolete? Well, <laughs> Six there's months, that too. Maybe. Yeah, there's that too. Uh, you know, things evolve awfully quickly and it might be a couple of years, but at some point their knowledge will come obsolete. It's like, it's, you know, you want to become a professional uh, Dungeons and Dragons player. Well, what edition is it, right? If you're, right, if you're a first right. edition player, that's, that's, you know, your knowledge is not going to be that useful in fifth edition. Well, and then there's, of course, now that there's the internet, right? There's new rules and things for Dungeons and Dragons coming out on a daily basis. Yep. So yep. even someone who works at Wizards of the Coast, the company that makes it, they cannot give you all the secrets to Dungeons and Dragons. Nope, that's right. Uh, Ian, this has been a terrific conversation and uh, I've learned stuff and I'm, I, I'm very confident our audience has learned some very valuable things. If people want to contact you for more information, either to ask a question we didn't cover or go into more depth than something that we did, how can people best contact you? Um, so you can reach me, just email me directly. It's Ian, I-A-N at IanLurie.com uh, or just uh, send me a tweet, Ian Lurie, at, just at Ian Lurie. Uh, either one of those works. My last name, by the way, is L-U-R-I-E. I can barely spell it. So, <laughs> Very good. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Ian Lurie so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week. So please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. If you'd like to engage with me on social media with my chart of the day and other content, I am myself on LinkedIn and on uh, at Unblakeable at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Brady Wearing Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast. 